rolling. What's happening, y'all? You know, if there's only one thing that can come between the A and the Z, it's the T. And true to fashion, he's so good. We have Tracy Cook as our special guest for episode 59. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Totally, it's been a long time coming. I know, right? Of all guests on the podcast, Tracy needs to be the one that's on there. Consider this part of your prize package for being the (laughs) number one podcast podcast fan. (laughs) And I mean, free beers, free swag once I get it. Yeah. And then... I get to hang out with you guys. You get to hang out, quality time. Priceless. Priceless. I like giving hugs so we can do hugs again later. Perfect. Okay, that's cool. That's a pretty good prize package. That's a very good prize package. Look at us giving away prize packages already. Man, we're really moving on up in the podcast world. Believe that. <laughs> well, um, Tracy, you are not usually one to find yourself in our neck of the woods, way out here in middle Tennessee, uh, with you being on the East Coast. So tell us uh, what brings you to town. Yeah, I came, uh, came into town this weekend to referee at a USAPL powerlifting meet in Mount Juliet that was put on by the Ogre Compound. Um, single platform, great meet, and um, I just wanted to support and be able to kind of help them out. So I drove out here, I figured, hey, I can referee and then I can, you know, train with y'all, come on the podcast, hang out. So, nice. Yeah, see some friends. So it's been a fun weekend. Um, how many people competed at this meet? 30. So it was a small, it's it relatively compared to a lot of the meets that I'll either, you know, participate in or referee at. It's a, it was a small meet, which was perfect. We had quite a few new lifters. Um, so a small platform meet, like a small um, participant meet like that is great for people who are competing for the first time. So it was very, very probably one of the best run meets that I've ever been to so Stella. yeah it was great very good a lot now, of fun how do these people qualify to be in the meet I've never done a power so I'm gonna ask a lot of silly oh, questions no, for you two perfect but I've never competed in powerlifting so I don't know yeah how did these 30 people make it make the cut they just they just sign up so that's the thing you cut a check you that's cut. how you make the cut <laughs> exactly. and that is you know actually a lot of people will message me sometimes and ask me about you know what do i need to do to be ready to compete at a powerlifting meet and i just say just you know sign up know the commands so a lot of times um, some of the people i coach as well are going to be doing their you know first meet at some point it's um, small meets are a great meet to sign up for if you've never you know done it before or thought about doing it it gives you a goal to work towards um, the most important thing is for somebody signing up is to understand the rules so there's like a rule book there's different federations there's a ton of different federations um, but some the two primary ones in this area and actually really in the US are um, USPA or USAPL and USAPL is the one that that I compete in and that I'm a referee in, coach with, and um, so they have a, their rule books. You sign up, you become a member with their federation, sign up for, find a meet you want to do, sign up, and you know understand the rules, the commands for the lifts, and um, have fun. And the community is a, a really, really good community. Um, you know, I did my first meet in 
2015, thanks, mm, thanks yep. to Zach. And um, I was hooked ever since, because it was mainly because of the people. They were some of the most encouraging people, welcoming, um, and I was sold after that. I was hooked. Yeah, you know, to state some of the obvious points, uh, for powerlifting competition, you are lifting heavy weights in front of a lot of people in not very much in the way of clothing or layers. So it can be kind of an intimidating uh, experience and obviously one that a lot of people, even if you are a fitness enthusiast, um, get exposed to. Hmm. Certainly it's gotten way more popular over the last five yeah. to yeah. you know eight years, um, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, certainly back in the early days of let's say Instagram, uh, or even in, you could say like in the early days of CrossFit, I would say those are the two big ingredients in the cultural pot that has helped to grow the sport. Um, yeah, it was just kind of kind of the Wild West. There wasn't much content out there um, about powerlifting, um, and probably I wouldn't know for sure, but probably fewer meets with it being kind of a less popular sport. You know, again some. 10 odd years ago. Um, but yeah, so all that to say, so speaking to Tracy's point, the most important thing that helps the sport and the hobby grow is the supportive community. Mm. Yeah. You know, and something that I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, oh, it was actually a friend of mine who used to compete in bodybuilding or at least, or at least did one show. Um, and she was kind of asking about powerlifting and I was asking her about bodybuilding and one of the obvious points of differentiation is, you know, not, not talking trash about bodybuilding, but A, it's you against your Competitive. fellow yeah. competitors. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, whereas in powerlifting, yes, you're obviously competing against other people in your class, but it's also your common enemy, so to speak, is gravity, is the barbell. Mm. So it's not like you beat me, it's rather you beat this weight on the bar and maybe I did or didn't. That's kind of a fun, fundamental differentiation. And again, if we're talking about something like bodybuilding, um, at the end of the day, I mean, certainly I'm no expert, but it's a you're being judged subjectively. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, unless, unless we're getting out there with calipers and everything, which yeah. the judges aren't, they're just looking at you. Um, it's, it's a subjective versus something like powerlifting and really anything that's performance-based is objective. It's either, it's either there or it's you, not. You lift it or you don't. So you did or you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the cool thing about with powerlifting that I have found across the board, pretty much any every competition that I have been to, is even within your own weight class, and Zach has seen this by obviously being at the meets you know, with me, you have people who you are technically competing against cheering you on because they want you to get that lift very much you know, as well. And it's just you know, a level of encouragement you definitely wouldn't see, you know, again, on the bodybuilding side as, as well. We, and it, 
it makes a big difference. Um, I think it's built the community so much um, on the powerlifting side. But that's that's really super cool to see at these, especially at these local meets. But you know, I'll tell I'll tell people I'll have people ask. You know, a lot of people think that they need to be lifting a certain amount. They need to oh, I'm not strong enough. But you will have people at every meet who will lift. You know, no one cares, and everybody told me that. You know, initially, no one cares what you're, you know, what you're lifting, and they really don't. There are people who, as long as you know, you have the bar, you can lift. There are people that lift, you know, way less than you usually, and way more. There's mm. always people, you know, that aren't as strong or that are stronger. And um, you, after the, you know, when I think when somebody does their first meet, they realize that, and I look at that as that's when you set the bar for now your goal. In your training going forward is now my goal is to beat what I did what I did you know that me and each one you want to your goal is to try to progress and do better hmm. so it gives it gives a for me it um, gave a lot of purpose to my training it made my training very focused and I had specific goals um, towards you know increasing and getting stronger so. I kind of like that we, you've heard us talk about it on the podcast we've talked about lifting at gym five a number of times and we, I, I'll speak for myself that I like working out in that gym because there are people who are stronger than me by a mile yeah. and I feel motivated by that environment um, it's not so much a competition like I need to beat that person but it's almost like this in a weird way this rising tide raises all ships kind of thing where I feel okay I'm in the same environment in the same room with these people who are very strong very fit and I want to sort of rise to the occasion. I want to contribute in some weird, meaningful way in my own fitness terms or whatever. So I kind of like the idea of it, instead of it being a comparison, like a, a thief of joy kind of comparison, it's yeah. more like a, a community where all of us are, are competing to improve ourselves in some fitness metric or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different powerlifting gyms that have groups that train together. When I lived in Argentina, I trained at a powerlifting gym with a group. I think I was my strongest ever when I was training with them. And a lot of that was, it just kind of, even though they're not training necessarily with me, it pushed me. And, you know, I, I pushed harder. I, you know, I wanted, we all pushed each other, mm -hmm. cheer each other on and, and even like what you're saying, when I'm at, as you're talking about gym five, pretty recently I just joined, I have my gym at home, but I joined a local gym just so I could train around people, not necessarily with people, but just around them. I commented to Zach one day, I said, hey, my, my bench, it's feel, it feels so easy here at the gym. He was like, yeah, I bet when you have these guys over there benching right next to you, of course it's going to, because I'm... I want it to, yeah, I want it to go well. Mm -hmm. And it just, mentally, I think it, you know, it really does make a difference having that just internal motivation to push a little bit harder. Yeah. Well, and, We've and, talked about the power of uh, environment. Right. Lots. Right. Lots on the podcast. I was going to say, yeah. what I'm noticing in my own gym space when I have the small groups is that if, if somebody in the room sets a personal record, everyone celebrates it. Yep. And if someone else is like on deck to set a personal record, it's like this motivation. Like all of a sudden everybody's squeaking out two, three, four more reps than I thought that they could or that I expected out of them. And I don't tell them like, oh, I think you can get two. Prove me wrong. It's not like that at all. I'm like, just give me what you got. And in those environments when people are really pushing and really digging in and, and doing the thing, it's a very supportive 
environment and culture and I love watching it especially because there are today I was very tired I did not sleep well at all last night but when other people in the gym are bringing in that energy and like really getting after it it that energy feeds on itself and I don't have to be the coach that like especially on days when I just can't bring it to the same level I love being in that environment because everybody is so motivated and so inspired to be to push their limits and to see what they got I love it it's cool yeah, and I think um, when Zach and I first started, when he first started coaching me eight years ago, we had our little group, kind of our kettlebell class, and some of them came to my very first meet um, just to watch and support. He had them come, and pretty quickly after they saw that first meet, um, several of them signed up to compete. We got them. We formed a team just because I think they saw, and then, it, then we would train together would motivate each other you know we would work together but I think even a lot of times if somebody just goes and sees the environment and you know sees that camaraderie and and just the fun of pushing yourself and seeing people accomplish things that they you know never thought that they would be able to and they do and sometimes make it look way easier than they expected it to it's you know that in itself is it's like wow if they can do that you know they see other people and you will see people you will see youth you will see people of every age 20 year olds teenagers older people I mean myself included in that but even older than me <laughs> I mean there'll be people you know in their 70s 80s competing so all different there's you know all different age groups um, doing things that you would you know never think that you'd be able to do so so you mentioned that you for your first competition was 2015. It was. And you got you said you started training together eight years ago, so 2014. Yep. First competition is 2015, and you said after that first competition you were hooked. Right. What happened in that competition that where the it sort of yep switched? I still remember. I had I had never even been to a competition before that, and actually just to roll back even a little bit before that, it was I had started training with Zach. And he was, I had done some deadlifts before and really liked it before I started working with him. When I started working with him, I had never benched before. I had never done back squats. And he taught me that. And within like probably a month, we were training one day and he was like, have you ever thought about doing a powerlifting competition? It's like, yeah, I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so no. So I go home and I look it up on my computer. I see people in singlets lifting weights I'm like yeah no <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> so I came I, I was like yeah no and then my husband said you know you are I had been doing like some races and things that I didn't even really enjoy training for but I liked a goal he said you love lifting weights I think I think you should do it I think you would like it so I was like I went back a couple days later I said hey Zach I okay I think I'm going to do this so Let's, you got to get me ready for it. And, you know, he trained me on all the commands, went through everything, made sure I was prepared. I had still the day of the meet. I had, I remember how nervous I was going to that meet. He drove me out there. He was, you know, he was there with me the whole time. He'd written out, we'd come up with what my attempts would be and um, based on training. And I just remember going in there and being so nervous. I mean, I was petrified one you know I was gonna be wearing this singlet in front of people but two just for the whole process and worried I was gonna mess up and you know and I think that 
I was watching some people, there were some people that were competing that obviously had been competing a while and they were, you know, kind of stressed and anxious and that. And I just was like having fun and a couple people have mentioned to me, they're like, oh, it's so, you know, it's so, it must be so nice not to have to be stressing about any of this. And I just know I was just like, this is like the greatest day ever. This is, I get to lift weights. And, you know, I, I knew nothing about it. And after I did it, just the feeling of knowing that I had worked for like six months, I think we trained for it ahead of time. And I mean, we practiced, the, I was so, the, um, the phrase that Zach gave me to remind me to remember because I was really nervous about missing the commands because you if you get a lift when I when I talk about the commands each of the squat bench and deadlift have a set of commands and a lot of people will squat and then they step forward to walk to the rack and then they they get red lighted they it's a no good lift and so Zach was like okay we're gonna make sure regardless of what you lift you're gonna you're gonna you're not gonna miss on commands which is you know what I do with the people I coach as well so his phrase that he gave me was you know I perform all my lifts with technical per perfection and he had that written on my program we had it written on my meat card so that's what I would tell myself as as a reminder across the board to remember that so I was as I went through I remember that first squat and I tell this to new lifters when they're they're the first, you know, when they're getting ready for their first meet. I'm like, just get through that first squat. It's nerve wracking. You're going to be shaking. I do still. I've done like 17 meets now. I still like that first squat is nerve wracking. And but I remember I'm very nervous. I mean, I'm nervous, you know, sitting here talking to people. I'm not I get very anxious in front of people. And the thought of standing there lifting with judges and an audience in front of me, and it was crazy because I remember that first squad I was nervous, but it was like everybody disappeared, and I only saw that head judge, and I got the lift, and I remember that feeling. I will always remember that feeling of, oh my gosh, I just did something that I seriously never in a million years would think that I just did. And it was, you know, three red, three white lights. It was a good lift, and I just kept feeling that as we were going on. I missed. I think I missed my. I missed one of my squats, and I missed one, my third bench. I didn't get because um, bench you're pausing, but I didn't care. I was like, just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then my deadlift. I will always remember. You know, my my third deadlift. I got. I was so excited. It moved really well, and um, and then after we were you know I was just so proud of I didn't miss one command I hit you know pretty much all the numbers that I that I wanted to even though I really honestly didn't it, that day was just really to have the experience but we were afterwards I also remember that they had several other masters lifters who I'm friends with now but masters being 40 and above, age 40 and above. And I was competing in both the open division and the master's division. And I remember looking at the board and even Zach commented, he was like, those are some really strong masters. And they were, they were like crazy strong. And I was like, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want to be. You know, that's what I want to do. And then I even got, um, I think it was probably for the open division. I ended up, you know, we were sitting there when they were going through the awards ceremony. I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna get anything. And I ended up getting a medal. It was third out of 
out of three, I think, but I got a medal. And I was like, <laughs> I still have it. I'm like, this is my favorite medal that I've ever, you know, gotten. And so it was just, I left that feeling proud, not necessarily just of the actual lifting, but of all the work that I did leading up to that and that I accomplished everything that I set. And so then immediately I was like, okay, when's my next meet? And, you know, I, I think I did like, you know, three, probably two, three, four, some years, um, just, you know, would keep doing it. And every training cycle, I'd finish the meet and immediately go into, okay, Zach, let's start planning for this, you know, for this next one. And of course, then I had did nationals for the first time and, you know, different and continued to progress. But that first meet, it will always, always be one of my favorites, just because that experience um, and having other people cheer me on, having people who came out there from our, you know, kettlebell group that came out to support me. And it was just the level of support and everything that was, you know, it's hard to explain, but it was, you know, it was very monumental, I guess I would say, as far as, you know, deciding. I, I will always love kettlebell training. That's, you know, kind of my, where I started, but the barbell and competing just, you know, has my heart. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So you said you've done how many meets now? Total. 17. 17 meets. Since the first one and, and the 17th one, I'm guessing your totals have improved? Yes. It. I think it was like, in kilos, I can't remember, it was like, I can't have to convert it to pounds in I really only know in kilos for the total. The kilos was like 200 something, 260 or something like that. And then now, that was at my first meet. And now, um, you know, my highest total is 407 kilos. Holy hell. So, almost 900 pounds. So, yeah, so my totals went up significantly. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I'm guessing... Do you see any end in sight as far as your training is concerned in the next meet? Do you see any end in sight as far as your totals continuing to increase? Um, well, I mean, I'm obviously always hoping that they'll increase. That's what I'm always working towards. Right. But, you know, I definitely, I will say this. The first, you know, however many years, the first several years, the progress has always been incremental. It was obviously a lot bigger jumps early on mm -hmm. and then it slowed down I will say it's much harder to get it to you know it's I have to do a whole lot of work now to you know to hit those same numbers now and increase those so but I'm motivated you know by them I'm I I always tell them I don't I don't feel like I have any limits. It may take a while to, to get PRs as frequently as I did. As long as there's more room on the bar for another plate, <laughs> there's, there's room to grow. And I literally just tell all my class, especially the new ones to barbell lifting, when it's been my experience that barbell lifting can be a little bit intimidating for some of my clients. Yeah. And when I, try to, I try to reframe it. I'm like, look, it's just a tool, and all this sleeve length here is just potential. Yep. We don't have to fill those sleeves. We can fill these sleeves. Fill these sleeves. Yes. We don't have to fill those <laughs> sleeves, but that, that is potential for you to continue to get stronger. And yep. we will take this as long as you feel like taking it and as long as you're comfortable or whatever. But I'm trying to sort of reframe some of these barbell lifts around the idea of just, it's a tool it to is. allow us to get, stronger. to express like strength and capacity yep. and abilities or whatever. Um, 
And so that's so far that's been going really well. And, and again, I think the gym environment that I'm cultivating, I'm finding it's a much easier buy-in with some of these. I've had a lot of pushback, not a lot. I've had some pushback in the past with like barbell bench, barbell deadlifts from some of my clients. In the environment that I'm in now, I've had less of that and a lot more buy-in and in, not just buy-in, but those sort of newbie gains. And then all of a sudden they're hooked, same thing. Yeah. All they have to do is do the thing and I add a little bit of weight to it. And they're like, oh my God, I'm getting so much stronger. Yeah. And so it, it, it's that initial hump. And, th- and that's what I was curious about yeah. what got you into that competing because that's a that's a big stage that's a big jump to yeah. go from a um, I, I use yeah, this term an endearing way a recreational lifter exactly. to the next level yeah. at the competition that, that's a big jump yeah. um, it's something I've never done actually between the three of us at this table I've never been a competitor on a platform with a bar in my hands I've yeah. played sports but I've never competed in a barbell sport or bodybuilding sport so I'm genuinely curious about what that feels like to go from, for me, amateur lifter, oh, recreational I, lifter to the next level. Yeah, and I, I didn't do anything with strength sports, period, anything, any strength training at all until 2012. And I started with kettlebells then, and I remember, you know, I, was, I loved the feeling of, of feeling strong and seeing some progress, and I was doing that with kettlebells, I was living in D.C. at the time, and I just remember that I was doing kettlebell training one day with my trainer, and I looked in the other room, and somebody was, you know, doing deadlifts or something like that with the barbell, and I would always see the barbell in there. I just said, and I, you know, had seen it in the gym. I just never touched it before, and the, um, my, my trainer, her name was Julie, she said, you know, I was looking in there and she goes, would you want to do that someday? Cause she kept seeing me looking and I was like, yes, I would love to, can I? And so the next training session, she had me deadlift and within like, I think it was within maybe two or three weeks, um, I was deadlifting 200 pounds. And again, to me, that didn't mean anything. Cause I did I had no idea what was good or what wasn't. She obviously did. And she was like, yeah, you need to keep doing this. <laughs> and she said, "It's you're, this is really good. And um, I was like, okay. So then I, you know, just wanted to continue doing this. But one thing that, that I get real excited about is, and a lot of the reason I share a lot of my training too on Instagram, is that because I was 42 when I started, so that was 10 years ago, I do math, 52 now, 51. 52 but um so the thing that that I like is when I have women who are you know in my age or in their 40s or 50s and they reach out to me and they're like okay so I'm I'm interested in doing this and that makes me you know real excited just to see all of the women who are my age and older who just are continuing to get crazy strong and there's the one of the one of the women. Her name's Chris, who was at our you know up on that board. Actually, there's two of the women, but one of them in particular, who was my same weight class. She was up on the board, and you know I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, she's so strong. She was competing at Worlds, and now we're friends. Um, but she continues. She's probably you know one or two years older than me, 
and she continues to just get stronger and stronger. And by knowing that and seeing that with her, I remove any limits in my mind and know, okay, I can keep doing this. So I just, you know, don't ever think, oh, I'm too old to, you know, to do this. And I'll, out of the blue, sometimes things will just happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't think I would ever be able to push through that. And I do. So I just, you know, I feel like, I'm, you know, obviously someday, maybe soon, maybe not, you know, things will, will stop getting stronger. But, but, you know, even, even with that, um, just the lifting, lifting weights and knowing the, what it's doing overall for, as I get older, we had a, um, at one of the nationals that I went to, they were doing like DEXA scans. And so I was like, oh, I'll get it done. So I did it and, you know, they gave us our body fat percentage and all that. But the thing that intrigued me the most was the bone density. And it was like, I was in the, like, whatever the top of the top percentile was. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And he was like, yeah, that's like everybody here. And he said, it just, he said, it's, um, he said, it's not a surprise. Every, all the people here, you know, most of the people who I've scanned for powerlifting, their bone density is just unreal. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, helps convey the benefits. Well, I was, so. I was doing a client the other day, uh, female client of mine that was a 50% of women over the age of 50 will develop osteopenia or osteoporosis and that heavy strength training is a way to help mitigate that bone loss yep. just because <clears throat> muscles attach to bone when you're lifting or leveraging a lot of weight it yanks on those bones and you can increase bone, uh, bone mineral density or whatever so if anything beyond the either the aesthetics or just the performance side of things if we're just going to, you know, want to be a healthy, functioning, moving human being through, you know, I don't know, 90, 100 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to pick up some weight off the ground and, yeah, all helps towards that cause. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, one of the other big benefits for me personally was I spent, you know, years and years just, you know, like so many other people, just dieting. And then I would run because I thought that that's, you know, what I needed to do. And when I started strength training, my whole mindset changed from wanting to, you know, focus on being a certain number on the scale and getting smaller um, to wanting to get stronger. And then kind of the, you know, the building muscle and the aesthetics part of it just kind of came with it because over time, the more I trained and I, I worked really hard to hit these goals, well, then I wanted to eat to support that. So I started finding myself naturally eating a lot healthier because I wanted to, you know, be, do everything that I can to get these, to hit these goals. Then I would sleep better. And then I would do, you know, all the things that kind of go hand in hand with that. And then, you know, that, that became my focus. And so it was a much healthier focus than, you know, 20 years of, trying every kind of crazy diet under the sun um, and so strength training really really had a big benefit for me in that regards and the the competing part of it for me just gives me something to you know to constantly work towards so and I do kind of like I after I compete after I've done a meet and worked up you know to real heavy I need a break from that so always after me, usually I, I don't touch any kind of barbell or anything the week after. And then I really shift more towards, 
doing a lot more volume stuff, doing a lot more kettlebell and kind of more accessory stuff than just squat bench deadlift and kind of take a little break and then, you know, kind of work on building up to my next, which makes it fun and keeps it, you know, challenging, but always with a goal in mind. I'm very goal oriented, so it kind of helps, you know, push that. Very cool. Yeah. So. I was going to ask earlier, but you just answered what keeps you motivated. You know, once those incremental gains start to slow, yep. what keeps you motivated to continue doing the thing? And we've talked about this a number of times. Like when your time frame to squeeze out an extra 10 pounds on a squat takes six months or a year. We all show up and still do the thing. Like this, this itty bitty community right now is different because we all show up and do the thing regardless. Right. Um, but I'm sure there are, we, we all have our days. We're yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Well, you know, in the same way, you know, Tracy, how you just mentioned the, the uh, tricky pattern of dieting to lose weight that so many people find themselves in is you know, it's, it's obviously becomes a, um, you know, you, you just, you hit a bottleneck with dieting in so many different ways, both psychological, mostly, and physiological. Um, and so then when you kind of shift the mindset to not dieting, but rather nutrition to fuel something that gives you some intrinsic satisfaction and, and value and that whole thing. Same kind of thing with training, you know, eventually we all bottleneck in training in, in certain respects. And especially, you know, as we've, we've talked about before, you know, when you're talking about uh, distilling training to three lifts, you're, you're bound to bottleneck in one or all three of those, you know, sooner or later, you know, being obviously so specific with one, with only one metric that you're really obviously trying to improve. So in the same way that there can be a mindset shift with dieting to just kind of enjoy and fuel some other process, I think that ideally you achieve that same mindset shift with training. Like you're, you're training to, let's say, express or fuel something that is mostly psychological. Um, and that's, I think, I think when you can balance those things, training for a specific goal and training for the love of the process or the love of whatever it does for your psyche, that's, that's really the sweet spot. Um, and, you know, again, you know, a, a big part of psychology, something that we know is uh, you have a, a identity of yourself that you have in your head. Like, I'm the kind of person who does this. I'm mm -hmm. the kind of person who values these things. Um, that's, that's just how, how our brains work. So ideally, we all get to a point with whether that's training or any other sort of um, you know habit or passion that we spend a lot of time on in our lives um, it just becomes its own um, self-satisfactory uh, uh, process so 
yeah, when you're in the game for, for years and years on end, I think having striking that balance is very, very important. And Andy, I think that's something, Andy, that you and I have talked about a lot here on the podcast is um, just leaning into, at least in my case, just the primal satisfaction you get from from the training process. And when I say primal satisfaction, I literally mean like I'm a caveman. I'm a bonehead. Like I can be very cerebral and very type A in many parts of my life, but a lot of times when I'm training, a big part of why I love training is I get to like turn those parts of my, maybe not turn them off, but rather um, give more uh, time for expression of those more primal aspects of my nature to come out. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I think one, you know, if I look at like how my training and goals have evolved from that, let's say from that first meet in 2015 up through now, you know, back then it was very, I remember, you know, leading up to, to the meet, I think I was PRing each lift every month. But when I looked at it, that PR was like easy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was never really a true max you know it was just Zach would let me basically chip me along the way and then finally then at someday I hit what is was you know really a max for all all the lifts and so you know what I realize is you know I very rarely I during my training I hardly ever almost never um, test my one rep max. I mean, I save it for the meet. Sometimes, you know, if I have a long time in between meets, then maybe I will try to try to do that. But so when you're only doing that once, twice a year, you know, you have to have something along the way. And so, you know, initially when I was setting PRs and on the PR board that he had every single month, well, you know, that was pretty darn motivating. When that stops, then we, you know, we started to focus on rep PRs. And then, you know, and so that became a, a really cool focus and, you know, different rep PRs. And I started to get excited about that. But what I've kind of found, you know, even now and over the years is shifting, looking at other lifts, you know, how many pull-ups can I do? How many push-ups can I do? What can I press? You know, what can I? And there's always something, some kind of PR. I just like progress in any, you know, facet. So even like when I've gone through injuries, you know, I still have always been able to continue to train, but I have to do something that keeps me not getting down in the dumps because I'm not seeing any progress on a one rep max or I'm having to take, like I said, five months off a bench, you know, Mm -hmm. that can be really discouraging in my training. So, and then I start focusing on something else and I try to see, you know, progress in that capacity. And I think over the years that's helped a lot is finding ways to see PRs, even if it's not in that, that one rep max, obviously you want it to, you know, when I compete, I want that to carry over, but it's not always going to, and, you know, so being able to shift that and um, still know that I'm getting stronger some way, being able to see that is is really important and helps a lot with keeping, you know, motivation. Like you said also, I'm, you know, before I even started strength training, I would hear people that would say, you know, I had friends who would talk about, 
you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to train for a couple of weeks or whatever. This is awful. I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm always happy, you know. And I, could, I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine, you know, how these people like training. You know, I would barely get, ever get myself to the gym. And once I got to the point where I found something that I, you know, which obviously started with kettlebells, once I found that, and now, you know, it's like, I know you don't train when you're on vacation. Boy, I do. I mean, I look for like the, any cool place I can go because that's fun to me. And I never thought I'd be that kind of person. And I do have people ask me sometimes, what do you, what do, you do to like, you know, stay motivated? Or how do you get your discipline? I'm like, I just, I love it. Like I, there's just like when I came to your gym today, I'm like, hey, can I squat? <laughs> yeah, we were playing around with different squat bars. <clears throat> because she bought the Titan and I have the Elite FTS, so she was like, hey, I'm making sure she didn't buy the wrong one. <laughs> but you know, I mean, any chance I get to train in any capacity, whatever it is, I love doing it. And I can't explain it now other than that I love it. And I think it's part of it is it's my time. You know, it's my, I can shut everything else out and it's my time for me. But it's also, I always know that I'm chipping away at, whatever it is that you know I'm, I'm working towards and I look at each training sometimes if I'm you know I train by myself in my gym most of the time at home and sometimes if I'm I've had some of these little AMRAPs lately with you know some of these lower intensities and I've had to push through really and I have but I start thinking about it you know I want to stop but then I'm like what if these reps are the ones that's going to get me that you know that PR at my next meet and it pushes me through so a lot of it's mental as well hmm. oh yeah really like yeah. especially to show up at like week in and week out yeah well and right now because my shoulder hurts all the time there are days where I'm like uh-uh like I don't want to do this but I do it yeah still show same up same here yeah Zach knows for I mean pretty much I've since I started with him I mean really honestly since I started in 2012 when I first signed up for my first kettlebell training you know with my instructor in DC and then I moved to Charlotte and started working with Zach I mean honestly I think even you know working around injuries and stuff like that I don't think I've ever missed a training session but have I had to modify them? Absolutely, you know, mm. but I never miss it. I don't ever, and it's not because I feel like I have to do it, it's because I truly want to. And he, I remember being in Charlotte and it would be snowing and there'd be ice on the road and Zach lived like right next to the gym and I would drive like 45 minutes on the ice because I, just because I thought I'd go crazy if I didn't get to do my <laughs> training. You remember yeah, that's sure. that's how we knew we were working with something different (laughs) yeah because i mean when it snows in charlotte it's like you stay home it's a snow day yeah yeah but of course i lived directly behind the gym so i walked yeah to work and i'd message him i'm like do i get to train today and he's like we trained at like what 6 30 (laughs) a.m she's like like, i'll be there Alright, if you'll be like, there, I'll be and there. I remember one time I think I spent like an hour trying to get the ice off my car because it was parked outside and then none of the roads were plowed and so I was driving I think it probably had to take me an hour and a half to get to the gym and then I trained. 
risking life that's, and limb I was gonna say, for that's those games. Maybe I shouldn't admit to that. That's dedication. I'm sure right you there. remember that. Of course mm-hmm. I do. Maybe. Of course I do. That's, I don't know if it's dedication or like insanity, but that was it's a beca- fine line. It was. <laughs> but that's when I, you know, that was when I knew just how important it was to me, and you know, I just was not willing to to miss it. So not because I thought it would. If I miss one day, gosh, I'm gonna lose all my strength. It was more just a, I just want to do this. Yeah. Even in that crazy context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, in a weird way, I, I have let, I used to be a little bit more, this is a word that I'm going to use for just me, a little bit more neurotic about my training in days past, where if I missed a session, I, like it really, it bugged me. Like I was like, oh, my, my week is changed, like ugh. And lately my work schedule has gotten busier. And so my training, I've told him a couple of times, my training schedule has gotten a little bit off. So I'll show up on a Saturday and I'm like, I have to do at least these couple things because I'm supposed to, based per my training schedule, I'm supposed to do these things. So as long as we can work them in, I don't care what else we do, I just want to do this. And he has been awesome. We've been front squatting a lot lately because that's usually what I do on Friday. And so anyway, so we'd be coming in, we'd be doing like front squats or whatever. I'm starting to find, in a weird way, I'm almost finding that with my schedule kind of messing things up, it's almost weirdly liberating in that I still train, I still show up. There are things that I would like to do, but I'm starting to, I'm letting yard work Saturdays kind of weave itself in there a little bit. So like tomorrow I have a, a weird, bad schedule. And I should hit lower body pretty hard. But Wednesday, I happen to have a wide window before I leave for Vegas on Thursday. So um, even today, I was like, well, tomorrow I have this very tight window. It's really going to suck to try to get in this lift. And just the anxiety of trying to wrap a session, get changed, get warm, get moving, do the thing, get done in in an hour or less. I was like, ugh. So instead, I I let it go. I sort of breathed it away. I was like, you know what? Tomorrow will be, I'm going to write programs, and then I'm going to spend a half an hour moving something. Pick up some sandbags, skip some rope, I don't know, do some push-ups, do some inverted rows, maybe catch up on some of the stuff that I was going to do today but couldn't get to before my client showed up. Just wing it, yard work it. And then Wednesday, pick back up on training. So, as again, in years past, I would have been a lot more stringent, a lot more neurotic about needing to hit certain lifts, certain numbers, or whatever. More recently, in part because my work schedule's just been so crazy, it's been kind of nice and, and weirdly liberating. But I still show up and I still do the thing. Yeah. I still want to do something. I want to move my body, challenge myself in some way, whether that's heavy weight, lightweight, move fast, whatever that means. And it's been really nice. Um, I guess in some weird way, I've sort of taken the blinders off a little bit and been like, you know what? Good movement is good movement. And I'm not competing for anything. I don't have a deadline. Yep. I'm trying to lose some fat. I'm going to have another <laughs> beer because I just feel like I, so it's not helping today. Anyway, <laughs> point being, yep. but, but in a weird way, but at the same time, I still show up. And, and I tell my clients the same thing. When they come in, they're like, I haven't been sleeping. I didn't sleep great last night or I had a terrible weekend or work's been really stressful. I'm like, you know what? The hardest set that you're going to do today is walking through that door. You yep. already did it. I agree. So... Maybe we'll, I was like, you know, we'll get moving. We'll do some stuff. 
but you know maybe maybe we'll set a PR maybe we won't and that's okay you made it here let's do some work and we'll feel good about it um so anyway yeah and it's I, been think, a I think I think you would agree that I have my mindset has shifted a lot more in that direction over the last couple of years as well because I used to be very much a it's on paper it's on the program I have to do this and I would and sometimes I would push myself when I shouldn't um, and I would stay like crazy you know I, I, I might be in a rush but I'd stay later I have to do everything that's on there and I've gotten I would say over the last couple of years to where you know even though I do train I don't miss a training session that training session can be modified if I you know feel horrible I'll reduce the weight or I'll do something different um, again I like to just make the point of doing it if I know I have a lot of because I'm refereeing a lot on the weekends because I'm traveling a lot I might instead of doing my five days a week I'll switch and we'll go through a cycle where it's four days a week so that way I know I can do it during the week and have my weekends you know to do all this other stuff um, or and you know I so I really do adapt and change it whereas in the past I might have been a little bit more rigid and it's helped me from a coaching standpoint with my clients to know that, you know, I try to be very adaptable as well. And, you know, anything that they can do, it just, it's taking a step in the, in the right direction. So I agree with you completely on that. I think modifying and sometimes pushing too hard, that's how we end up injured. <laughs> Believe me, I've learned that too, the, the hard way. And then when I get injured, having, you know, work around stuff, but... You know, even last year when I had to take, I had to take like eight weeks off because I had surgery and I couldn't do any kind of heavy lifting. So I didn't technically do real training, but I was doing, you know, long walks and bike rides. And then as soon as I could add in like some light dumbbell work, I did, but I just did something. So I could at least, rather than just sitting on my couch watching TV and getting, falling back, I wanted to keep a routine of doing movements mm -hmm. in some capacity whatever that movement could be speaking of injury when you so you took eight weeks off and then you, you start when you could come back to weight training yep did you find that um getting back to where you were what was what was that so the process, I, I've, the process of so I've, I've been injured injured and had surgeries twice the work it took to get to a certain level at the time of surgery felt like it was erased gone just blew it up turns out when i was able to come back after months months and months of rehab i yeah. think it took me two months before i could even really do anything at all let alone like when i had shoulder surgery i don't think i was squatting again until maybe 10 weeks 12 weeks and then even then that's why i bought the safety the reason i own the safety bar is because i had shoulder surgery yeah. um all that said you had your own surgery did you find that recovering that ground that you thought you were going to lose was it was it just as hard was it easier what was your experience it was you have to be patient I feel like if I came back and you know initially I was probably very discouraged especially with bench because mm -hmm. it was you know stuff that it felt like air before felt really heavy because again of all of them you know I mean all the lifts feel harder but bench in particular if you take time off of that it's deaf way you know feels a lot harder so but I also knew if I try to push I'm gonna cause myself to get injured again and I'm gonna have to take more time off so I took 
I was very careful about being patient with building back, but it came back very, it, it really came back, you know, as it came back every week, I told, I would tell Zach, it felt like paint, watching paint dry, but every week it was getting stronger. And within, you know, a, not, I wouldn't say a short period because I intentionally took my time with mm -hmm. building it back. But then when I was ready to, you know, by last year when I competed, everything, I mean, even after taking five months off, off of bench and then I had you know another I had you know surgery that I had to work around and then I had another issue with my SI joint it was like multiple issues last year which was very stressful but I worked around it the whole time but then I competed in December and re my numbers were relatively close a little bit under than what I had done in the past but considering all of that relatively close and I felt like my strength came back very well mm -hmm. and so that's what it was good for me because I've told people who um you know who go through it too who I work with is you know you have to be patient but you're not gonna your strength just doesn't go away you know it's yes it's frustrating because and I had I'm not gonna lie that I had I definitely had it was very frustrating that things felt so heavy mm -hmm. but I just stayed the course and it and it did come back so is that the experience you're having as well? Right. Well, and that's what I've told my clients based on my experience is that, you know, spending time under the bar and, and adding plates and adding reps and, and doing the thing, and it, it feels like it takes forever. I feel like barbell training to a degree has the same, um, a similar like ROI in terms of like how you feel right after the session. I'm not gonna lie. Most people like like hit training, right? Like they want to sweat and they yeah, move and they exactly. breathe heavy. It's almost immediately gratifying, and I get it. Like it's it's an immediate gratification. It's a s'mores yeah. of the fitness world. Whereas heavy barbell training, when you got to rest a lot, right. move the bar, doesn't rest a like lot, doesn't feel the same. You, <laughs> you feel like you got a good workout in, but you're like, ah, yeah. I feel like there's more in me to do. That yeah. said, anytime I've spent time doing a lot of the hit stuff like or, like you know whatever it feels good i feel good i feel like i, I feel athletic burn a lot of count whatever whatever i feel like those adaptations are really easy to gain and really easy to lose i agree but absolute strength stays stays and it i does. don't know why I, I can't explain it but even though it takes and, and i've spoken about this anecdotally the first time I really did try to drive my squat and my bench and my dead took me eight months to cover whatever and overhead press took me eight months to get to a certain level on all four of those lifts eight months and then I blew out my shoulder and had shoulder surgery rotator cuff all that and lost all what felt like all of it yeah but then when I was able to like really like unleash and go again I recovered all of it in four months yeah and so I tell my clients now, they all love it, but I tell them, I reassure them, even though a lot of the heavy strength training, the, you know, the putting in the time and the effort and adding plates, adding reps, whatever, even though it feels like it takes forever, it's like long-term investing. It is. And I agree it, completely. Yeah. It, so if, hopefully, we never get to a point where you're injured. Right. But if we ever have to cross that bridge where there's an injury or you're down and out for a little while... Um, I, I think I put it this way. It's like foraging a path through the woods. Even if you haven't gone down that path in a while, you can find it again. Yep. And it's a lot easier to clear this time because it's already been laid. Now, I don't know why. I can't tell people like, oh, 
satellite cells or muscle memory. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know what it is. But once you've been down that road, it does stay. So it's it's a worthwhile investment of our time and energy and resources. Yeah. So that's cool. And that's absolutely the experience that I had as well. And I think my even after you know not touching, not being able to bench for those months. Um, I would say within several months. I think it was about four months is about yeah. what you said, I think. And I also knew several people, several of my friends who during the start of COVID weren't able to train for months and yet they come back and within a few months they're hitting PRs. Mm -hmm. And so it just, I've just seen so many examples of that, but you have to be patient and it's, and understand at first it's, as you know, it was probably real frustrating, mm -hmm. you know, sure. I understand the process. I understand that I have to be patient, but it doesn't make it any easier when you pick up something that used to be easy and now it feels like, but you have to mentally know that, and I just trusted it and, you know, and it did come back. So mm -hmm. I do know that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, if I can drop some bro signs on you. Okay. The quality that's quickest come, quickest go, cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. Typically, cardiovascular. We'll, we'll link these to the systems: cardiovascular system, cardiorespiratory system. After that, maybe we could say muscle gains, intermediate-term gains, intermediate-term loss. All right, musculoskeletal system. Strength, and the reason, I mean, as you just said, it's such a waiting game. It's such a game around patience. Um, and that something that necessitates traditionally long rest periods is because we're not training cardiorespiratory system, we're not training musculoskeletal system. I mean, of course, of course we are, but what we're really training is central nervous system. What you could consider is the deepest system of the human organism. Mm -hmm. And uh, our central nervous system becomes our brain, mm -hmm. right? Or I should say maybe our brain branches out as our central nervous system. And what is more core to the human than the human brain? Mm. So what I'm trying to say is strength training is the ultimate form of growth and expression for the human organism. Of nerding out. <laughs> something like that but in any case you can see this weird bro science um, parallel that I'm trying to draw here sure, yeah. you know which is fundamentally the thing that takes the longest you I mean for practical purposes um, but the thing that is most permanent are these uh, these gains so to speak in the central nervous system mm -hmm. which is really just an outgrowth of your brain and if we form really our identity through sensations and obviously interactions with our environment and psychology and everything else that yeah, in a weird kind of way you could say that obviously your consciousness forms or lives up here um, all these things kind of come together in the metaphysical uh, cloud or goo um, that I think makes strength training so important for one's expression of identity as a physical organism on this planet. So leave it to Zach to really 
go to Mars with this conversation. But, sure. um, but I, think, I think that's really what we're talking about here because there's only so many things you can control about like your, yourself. And again, the deepest layer that you get to is your nervous system, mm. which is practically a direct line to your mind itself. Mm. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I was gonna let her rap. Do you have any? Do you have anything? No, man. I I will admit I encouraged Andy to take the lead on this conversation because Tracy and I chit chat all the time. So there's really, I mean, there's really only so much I could like pretend <laughs> to ask her. So so you you did a great job well, so at, have, at leading I have the one show. One more f- to close out. Or Tracy, do you have any questions, comments for? For us? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Question, and then me, I will. Watch yeah. me interrupt. But, well, it's a, it's a probably a fairly long and com- not convoluted, very long, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay, as a um, female coach, as a female competitor, um, and a, a lover of the sport of lifting, um, what is it that you want either our audience to know or the clients that you serve or, or, or whoever that whoever's going to listen to this podcast, yeah. what is like a, a tidbit of wisdom that you want to to leave that audience um, based on your experience as again a female competitor coach, yeah. you know whatever. Yep, I would say probably the the biggest thing is to go out step outside your comfort zone because the things that I have tried, you know, if I looked before 10 years ago, this year will be 10 years since I started strength training at all, if I had thought that I would ever be doing any of the things that I'm doing now, I never would have, would have, you know, envisioned myself doing this. And every time that I have, you know, from doing the, from even, even from the first time that I walked to that studio, to that kettlebell, um, to meet with a trainer, I was petrified that day that I walked in to do that because I'd never done anything like that before. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. So from that to, you know, taking on, you know, the powerlifting, it doesn't have to be competing, but just doing things that challenge me and work, you know, pushing towards and things that scare me um, have just really been life-changing for me. So that's what I try to, you know, even as a coach, my goal is to, I want to help others to have what I feel like I've gotten from from it, and most of that has been from doing things that um, you know that scare me. You know, and if there's if there's anybody listening to this podcast that has even an inclination or interest um, in competing that has never thought about it before, especially uh, any females. Um, Anybody can reach out to me pretty much at any point because I'll help anybody. I think anybody who asks me anything, I'm happy to always give them some direction and the answers, and you know, answer any questions about it. So, very cool. Pushing your comfort zone has led you all the way to the A to Z podcast. It has never, <laughs> never in a million years would in I have. In fairness, thought. <laughs> I was going to say, in fairness, that's not a sarcastic comment. Oh. I thought it was sarcastic because she's been on platforms and like competed at like a really high level. And this is a podcast where we drink beer. 
<laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to diminish her accomplishments by saying. Right. And and you're right. And you don't know after 60 episodes. You don't know what it's like for someone to. You don't know what's going on internally, what hurdles, what obstacles someone may have to wrestle with to come on such a platform as ours. That's true. <laughs> you know, there is a lot of anxiety. We are very gym intimidating. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking but, speaking in general is is well, outside of my comfort zone. So and I and she I was maybe, a guest speaker at Liftapalooza. Yes. yes, and I and may I be joking. Petrified. I may be joking a little bit about the podcast, but what I'm really not joking about is obviously all the strides you've made in coaching, content creation, speaking, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And what was your caption this morning in the uh, in your Instagram post or, or yesterday? Yeah, I, I I don't remember. Pull that, pull that, pull that up. Yeah, Andy. Yep. Um, well, we both were reminiscing. We were talking about the be more, not less thing. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. And so Andy has on his wall the be more, not less. And that is, you know, I have the shirt that says that. That's absolutely one of my favorite mottos because I spent so many years of trying to focus on being, for me, it meant, you know, this being, one? yeah. For me, it meant being smaller and focusing on that. And when I focused on by being more, to me, that means being better and making progress and focusing on being stronger instead of that. And so that, I love seeing that in your, in your gym, because to me that's, you know, that means, and especially as a female, as a woman, I think that that is, you know, when people shift their mindset to that, it's, it just changes, you know, so much, um, with everything. Okay, so yeah, so yes, my mod, my thing on my Instagram post. The best thing about strength is that it really does teach us that we can do anything. Yeah. Because we're making fundamental identity-based change through training, through strength. Yep. I like it. Actually, I love it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Yep. Take it. Well, Tracy, thanks again so much for coming on. Anything that you want to uh, wrap with? No, from thank you very much. This was this was fun, and it was great to chat with you, especially you, Andy. I know we don't get. To I was hang like, out. we never get to talk, and this was a, this was was great. It's so much so, fun, yeah. Yep. Well, and I, li- I, you know, I listen obviously to every episode and that, and and obviously I know Zach's because I've worked with him for eight years, but listening to you on the podcast has been because I like the way your client-centered focus and the way that you work with your clients and that you adapt with them. I'm very much in agreement with, you know, like I, I like how you train your clients and the community you've built and stuff. So That's it's, all just it's, for show. I'm just cracking whips behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it's very much, you know, I, I have always respected how you do that. And so it's Thank been you. great to, to uh, be a part of this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why he's the A in A to Z. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been Z to A. There's, there's no one else uh, who I 
even had a passing uh, thought to uh, to have as my my co-host. It's because he doesn't know anybody else one. that starts with an A. <laughs> he chose really, me on purpose, actually. He already had the, the he name. He said of the A podcast. to Z. I just got to find the A. I just got to find the right A. <laughs> Andy. Oh, shit. <laughs> got to find the right asshole. Is what he's <laughs> oh, I could make all sorts of. <laughs> Jokes from there that I will not, that I will not, oh, but uh, no, uh, I, I will echo the same sentiments uh, from, from Tracy. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's only so many people who I can stand to uh, break bread or break beer with, so to speak, week over week, and uh, through broken biceps, through broken bones, um, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we've made it this far. Likewise. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, hey, again, thank you so much to Zahn's Brewery for hosting us. Uh, we have a new uh, a bartender friend behind the bar. Yeah. Uh, Janie. 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 <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for the conversational lubricant. Um, I think... I think we had a great, I think we produced a great episode today. So again, if you find yourself in our neck of the woods here in Nashville, specifically the west side of downtown, do stop in to Zahn's for all of your beverage needs. They've got light beers, dark beers, even a little cider. Hey, if you're, beers, you're spilling my secret. If, <clears throat> it's a Pilsner, Zach. <laughs> No, to be fair, I've enjoyed uh, a few ciders on the show. <laughs> That's true, you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's no shame in a cider. Hey, all. now apparently I like stouts as well. That's true. Had you not come on the podcast or come I to wouldn't songs, know. wouldn't know. Yeah. Mess around and find out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy, thank you again so much thank for, you, uh, for coming out for a whole weekend uh, here. It's been really fun training. Um, and creating content in, yeah. in all forms and now having you on the podcast has been, has been super special so with that A T Z thank you so much for listening <laughs> we will see you next time bye guys <laughs>